Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle beat writer Susan Slusser, and today A's video coordinator Adam Roden joins us to break down his job, which includes making the call on replay reviews, then reliever Josh Lucas talks video games and sharing a name with a celebrity, and on Shea Plus, John and I discuss the A's All-Stars extensively and take a look at the upcoming Bay Bridge series. Today on A's Plus, I am delighted to welcome in Adam Roden, who has been t- with the A's for 25 years uh, and 15 years as the A's vid- uh, video coordinator. Adam's also worked as a clubhouse attendant, and you did the umpire room for a while, right? Is that is that yeah, right? Yeah, I did that for about six, seven years. It was interesting to get to know some of the old umpires and see how kind of they handle the game situations and see what their the little talks after the game and um, but yeah it was really interesting. I think people understand in general what uh, the clubhouse attendants do, but what's different about being an umpire room attendant? Is it essentially the same job? What goes into it? Uh, you you know basically they show up about uh, two hours before the game and you're there just to basically help them um, you know get a little bit bite to eat before the game. Um, Make sure their equipment's ready, um, and then also the one one thing you do is you do rub up the baseballs for the for the game. Um, that can be a little tedious at times uh, when you're when you're rushing to do work, but that's uh, also a fun part because you feel like you're really part of the game. For uh, listeners who might not be familiar with that concept, uh, what goes into rubbing up the baseballs before the game? What what do you do? What where does the mud come from? All of that. Well, now now we um, uh, Mikey Thalboom, the visiting clubhouse manager, and Matt Weiss, who takes care of the umpires, they their job is basically to rub up um, probably 15 dozen baseballs per game for for every game to make sure that uh, they have ready for you know now that now the rules are a little bit more lax about giving the balls to the fans, um, so they go through quite a few baseballs. Um, basically, you just get a little bit of water and you get a little bit of uh, what they they. It's not Mississippi mud, it's New Jersey mud. But um, yeah, and you just mix it up a little bit and you just make sure that uh, uh, the balls are, are dark enough um, and light enough. Uh, you get complaints from both hitters and pitchers. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting thing to do. It kind of takes like the new shine off of balls, yes, essentially. Yes, yeah. and the slickness. And uh, you know, hitters, hitters want the balls white and um, the pitchers want them dark. So there's a fine line. You do have complaints from both, but um, that's just part of the gig. So when you're an umpire room attendant, you obviously get to know the umpires. I'm not going to ask you who the guys you maybe didn't like so much, but did you do you kind of come away with some favorite umpires that even now, now that you're the video coordinator, you kind of look at and go like, yeah, I like that guy. Yeah, you know, um, now I'm doing reports on him. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, back in the day, I, I enjoyed Bruce Freming uh, quite a bit, and a lot of people uh, – didn't like him, but uh, you know he he was a character, and um, uh, actually one guy that didn't get along with Tony Larusa back in the day was John Chulock, and I actually got a, got along great with him. Um, but um, yeah, you meet a lot of a lot of great characters and a lot of uh, professional professional guys, and it's you know it's just it's fun to get to know that side of the game. Yeah, it probably gives you a greater appreciation too for what they do and what they go through. Yeah, you know, there's, you know, the one thing that they get, they get criticized a lot, and um, you know, they, 
it's not easy, you know, especially especially now doing the instant replay part of it. You see how amazing they are at making the right calls. Um, and, you know, the game is so fast when it's on the field that uh, I think sometimes that's not appreciated. Yeah, that's very true. Now, it, you became the video coordinator when Dan Feinstein left to go to the Rays. Uh, and obviously your job has sort of changed a lot over the years, particularly with the equipment. Um, if you can kind of summarize quickly what your job uh, entails uh, and then talk a little bit about the equipment changes because you used to have to do all sorts of different things. Oh, yeah. We, well, we started back, back, back when I took over for uh, Dan. Uh, we were still in the videotape uh, era, and uh, you know, basically every player had their own tape. Um, usually, a hitter would have six tapes during the season, and there was a lot of rewinding, a lot of uh, a lot of work uh, went into it. Um, but uh, yeah, now now everything's digital. Uh, everything is um, computerized, which can be easy, um, which can be much easier for my job, but can be much harder because. The fact is, when I first started this, I didn't have that background of technology. Uh, I actually have a degree in economics, and um, so I didn't really have that to fall back on. So I do a lot of Google searching. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's amazing the technology now. Now with the whole Statcast stuff, uh, I mean it's it's changing every day. Um, but yeah, the um, uh, for us, we have a good. Um, a good insight um, program that uh, Rob Neighborhouse works with uh, very well. So we we um, we're, we try to stay ahead of the game. Um, it's hard um, at times, but uh, yeah, my, a lot of my job is basically just kind of being the manager of of the video um, department that we uh, look at for scouting purposes. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's ever changing. Can it be almost too much at times? Are there guys who maybe want a little less stuff or guys who want specific things? Is that one of your challenges? Yeah, I mean, the challenges is also to monitor our players and make sure they're, that they're getting the correct information and they're not just overloaded with, uh, with data and video. Um, now, you know, before when I first started, we didn't have the multi-angles. Now we have six angles per game. and. Uh, you can have a guy coming and analyzing a swing during the game. Um, so, yeah, you, you have to monitor that. And if I do see a guy overstepping his limits, then I'll go maybe talk to him or talk to their coaches and, and have them kind of, uh, you know, fix that, you know, not overanalyzing. So, yeah, it, it can be – there's a fine line to what to use and what not to use. I can remember you used to have to travel um, with, the, with the videotapes. You were always traveling with this enormous case. Like, you had to – you had all these videotapes. How many would you carry? Was it one per player? Oh, Sometimes we, more, with like opposing pitchers and. Yeah, we would uh, we would carry up to hundred tapes, and it would just be uh, so. For example, if you had Matt Chapman versus Verlander tape, you'd have you'd have ten of those tapes, and uh, yeah, now now it's just a push of a button. That's great. Um, and a guy can look up, uh, you know, every um, uh, every change up Verlander's thrown against left-handers on an O2 count. And um, they can have that information and the video in about 10 seconds. That's, that's absolutely incredible. So do you sort of load everything up onto an iPad or guys' laptops? Or they do that, do they, is there a preference that guys have generally? Yeah, you know, a lot of iPads. Uh, we do a lot of downloading. Um, you know, now we make highlight films of, you know, all the guys' hits, all the guys' home runs for pitchers, strikeouts. 
or even uh, we have some pitchers that want to look at uh, a team that they might face next week, and they'll I'll put it on their iPad and and they can watch it on the plane. That's incredible. So if you have if if the A's are facing a guy who's coming up from the minor leagues, especially if it's a guy who's a spot starter who maybe hasn't that there's not much track record on, how do you go about getting those kinds of videotapes for for opposing guys that that maybe there's not much out there on? We. We now 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 there's all this information you can get it actually on the internet. Um, you don't really have to even pay for a service. We do have a service where we do have all the minor league video. So um, about three or four years ago, it was difficult for me to to get a picture that was getting called up. But now you know with um, more of the technology in AAA stadiums, AA stadiums. That video is actually pretty easy to find now. Yeah, you're just going to their website or YouTube or something, right? Yes, yeah, you can do you can do either. Oh, that's that's so crazy. Uh, now, obviously, a few years ago, part of your duties, be it, you got to become the video replay guy. What when you found out that that was going to be something you were in charge of? What, what was your first reaction? Um, I, you know, I didn't realize what I was actually getting into, but. Um, the the one scary part was the actual technology part of it because um, you have to kind of learn a whole new computer system um, and it's MLB's technology. It's not something that you can just go pick out. Um, so that was that was the learning curve and the learning curve also was the communication part of dealing with uh, the bench coach or the manager on the phone and realizing, okay, you have to make a decision quick. Um, so that 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 was. That was the tough part. Typically, about how long would you say you have to make a decision, and how many, how many different screens are you looking at in that time? You know, uh, say thirty seconds, but it's usually about it's about twenty five, uh, because you have to give you have to allow the manager um, a little leeway to to make the call to the umpire and make sure that we get the call in, whether if we're challenging or not challenging. Um, Right off the bat, one nice thing with the technology that we have now is, we I'm able to rewind a play right as it's it's right as it's going on, um, and so pretty much you can tell when a play's close. Or there's certain times that it can be difficult. The double plays can be difficult because you have to look at both bases, um, a play at the plate, or if a guy left early, you you kind of have to be quick on those. But um, just part of the, part of the challenge. So, so you're just kind of sitting there with your finger like hovering as, as a guy's running towards first base, basically. Yes. Yeah, you basically you can't really miss many pitches, and uh, you. And the one thing I do is make sure I'm listening to the game because you can get you know announcer can make a quick call and you can just kind of be into it. Um, but yeah, you have to anticipate, and that's probably the biggest thing I, I would say is anticipate a play. Um, if something looks strange, then that's when you really have to look at it. We had a play. Recently, uh, I think in San Diego, where the guy didn't touch second, um, and that was you know one of those things where it just looked odd. So that's we wanted to look at that right away and figured out that the guy wasn't on the back. Uh, is there sort of a learning curve in learning what calls um, Bob might want or not want, or how close it has to be for him to want it? Yeah, and I think uh, over the years he and I have a great relationship and uh, communication factor on that. You know, a lot of a lot of times with the instant replay, um, it's not so much about the play; it's about the situation. Um, you know, when the fan, the fan at home or my dad um, <laughs> will text me and go, "Why, why didn't you challenge that play?" I'm going, "Well, it's the first inning, and we have to be 100% sure because 
we aren't allowed to have another challenge until the eighth inning. So you have to be, you have to look at the situation, and that's something Bowman already knows whether he wants a challenge or not. So, you know, if we're in the seventh inning and it's, and it's close enough play, we we might just take a gamble and say, hey, let's look at that because we know once the eighth inning hits, we can use the umpire challenges. Um, so yeah, that can be that can be the tricky situation, and also you know sometimes you have a hitter trying to leg out a hit, and uh, you you know I want to get him that hit, but you know, I also have to make sure that I'm making the correct call for our team in the in the future in the future innings. Do you get grief from players after games ever? You know that was one of my biggest. That's actually one of my biggest worries at the beginning of this um, when we first started instant replay. But you know over the years I, I've I've maybe. Uh, one or two situations where, yeah, I, I didn't want to see the guy come up and have to deal with him and say, why didn't we challenge it? But most of the time, our players have been great. How many different angles are you typically looking at when you're looking at a – or do you do you know – so you've been doing it long enough that you know automatically which angle is probably going to be most beneficial? You have a, um, you have up to 14 angles. You have uh, seven from the visiting, visiting truck and the home truck. Um, and then you have two super slow-mos, which is, MLB did a great job this year getting us those right away. Um, in the past, we didn't have those. Um, basically, you're looking at the super slow-mo because this is the clearest day you can see. Um, but yeah, there are about four, four or five angles that you know, okay, close play at first or a pickoff move at first that you're looking at. And I usually put those right at the bottom so, I, so my eyes can see them first. And uh, yeah, you just kind of have to pay attention to where where the cameraman are shooting too. Sometimes, sometimes a guy can be up in the stands, and you know you're, and you're trying to figure out what what the cameraman's looking at or, or that type of thing. But um, yeah, you you just have to anticipate well. I, I think sometimes fans don't know that um, you know, where the camera is can be very important because it can shrink the distance between you know whatever whatever the two things that are happening on the field. How aware of you are you on you know sort of the, just the physics of it and and where the cam how the camera angle might kind of distort, you know w what you're looking at. Yeah, you know, I mean the the one thing with replay you see quite a bit is, I. Um, I have all the angles, and I might see a play where three of the angles look like the guy is safe, and then I got two angles that clearly show he's out. And so th sometimes that can be the the deciding factor in whether I challenge or not, um, because you have to realize the guys in New York that are making the final decision are seeing all the angles I'm seeing. Right. So uh, yeah, there is a there's a definite physics part of it. Um, sometimes you you wonder what their what their final angle they're looking at is um but yeah it, sometimes the illusion part of it with the, the close-up camera angles can be very deceiving yeah it compresses the distance yes. so um I, I think we have all seen a lot of the replays where um somebody challenges and it looks like the call should be overturned and it and it isn't for whatever reason and you're right it could be just a camera angle chosen um, is that frustrating for you when it's an A's challenge and it doesn't get overturned, or at this point do you just kind of go? I'm, you know, at this point, um, I can think I'm 100% right, and I know there's always a chance that I, that we're not going to win it. Uh, it's just part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, every challenge you want to win, but you also realize that you're not going to win all of them. And um, you know, the funny thing is when you watch other games and you see what other teams challenge and, and don't get overturned or do get overturned, 
um, you know, you go, oh, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. I, I know exactly what the guy is feeling like. So you just have to make sure, you, you know, you're doing the best job possible for our team and for, and for Bob Melvin to make the decision whether it's the right challenge or wrong challenge. Now, one of my favorite things over the past few years is that Sonny Gray took a real interest in replay and um, would come in here sometimes on games when he was not starting and kind of hang out and I, you know, sort of help you a little bit. And then one game, I think you were sick. Yes. And and Sonny took over the the the, the whole challenge system. Yeah. Well, well, explain that. And, no, it was actually uh, we were in Tampa and uh, I I got a flu bug the night before on a flight, and I couldn't make it into work. I just physically couldn't make it and. and Luckily, Sonny knew, Sonny knew all the functions. And, and, that, and what I'm talking about, it's, it's not as simple as just making, you know, uh, whether we should challenge a player or not. You actually have to, you have to know how to work the number keys and the rewind buttons and, and learn how to, you know, start up the system. And Sonny knew it all. And I, I miss him for that because uh, I, wish, I wish I had more players make uh, a concerted effort to uh, – <laughs> to take my job a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, in consideration. But, uh, yeah, I, I, and I actually had Kendall Graben was learning too, so uh, hopefully he'll be back soon and we can get him back on the system. But, uh, yeah, it was great. And uh, he was – the only thing he was disappointed was he didn't have any challenges that no, night. No, he was so, very disappointed. He yeah. was so delighted to get yeah, the he, opportunity. He wanted, he wanted to make that phone call and, <laughs> and say uh, challenge. So he wanted a record. Yeah, I guess it would have to be a starting pitcher yeah. who would do it, who yeah. wasn't pitching. So yeah. you need to train probably two of them. Maybe that you should just, yeah, yeah just exactly. train all the time. Exactly. Just, I'm sure Edwin Jackson would be happy to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, the funny thing is I've had, uh, recently I was I was out, so we had uh, Mark Kotze who did it. And uh, he, enjoyed, he enjoyed it, but he also said, I want no part of this anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's fun for a day, but then you're like, no. Let's, let's, let's stay away from it. It's so. a big responsibility. Yeah. Now, it seems like on the umpire's end and the league's end, it, they've actually gotten a little bit more streamlined with the process. Like it, the, the calls are uh, being decided much more quickly. Is that, that kind of what you're seeing? Yeah, I think, I, think the lot, I think that has a lot to do with the super slow-mo. Um, they spent uh, a lot of money this year implementing that into um, every stadium where we have at least two – Two super slow-mo angles, and like I said, most of the plays are happening at first base. Um, so, you know, when when those when you have a super slow-mo on first base dedicated for that, you, it can be pretty quick on the decision part. Um, um, yeah, they, they've done a much better effort of getting the calls in quick. Now, I, I know you're from the Bay Area. Um, the the fact that you've worked for the A's so long, you're from the Bay Area. When a team is like the A's are now, is really starting to perform well and kind of having a fun season, and you're actively involved, you know, you're helping players and with the, the video angle and um, trying to help guys with their performance. How how rewarding is it for you and for other people with the support staff? Well, you know, I, I it's there's nothing nothing like winning, and and. Um, Baseball is a very long sport when you lose. Um, it's you know 162 games plus the 30 30 some spring training games. So um, when you're actually playing for something, uh, it, it's it's fun to come to work. And um, you know every day is a challenge. And you know this week it's a challenge playing Houston. And you know they're the best team best team in baseball. And and hopefully we can get a few more wins out of here. But yeah, when we go on the road, and we're a very tight-knit group, um, I would say, you know, 
love all the teams that we've been that I've been a part of, but there's something about this group. They're they're very um, they're very close knit. They're always going to dinner together. They're always hanging out. Um, it's it's a different group than I've seen in the past, and um, uh, I think uh, special things to come. Yeah, and, and it, they all work very hard too. And so I imagine you see a lot of them come through here all the time because they are such hard workers. Yeah, you know, these guys are these guys are baseball grinders. They they come in. Um, they're here, you know, for a night game. They're here at noon, um, looking at video, trying to get them away from video. But yeah, they they're a very close knit group, and they come to the ballpark together. And and you know they they're working hard from uh, the minute they walk in the clubhouse. Do you ever spot stuff in guys, either deliveries or, you know, setups, anything? Yeah, you know, I, I usually, uh, sometimes that can happen. Um, you know, you're looking at little things, um, and I'll hear our hitting coach, uh, Darren Bush, sometimes he'll he'll be looking for certain things, and if I see something, I'll, I'll mention to him. Um, and then, you know, sometimes with mechanics, you know, you see if a guy's overthrowing or something like that, and um, Scott Emerson might come up during the game and ask me, you know, uh, I see anything um, yeah I'll share information like that and um, it happens uh, I'd say every day but yeah there are things you find you see oh, yeah. the things that it, people learn about from behind the scenes thanks so much for joining us Adam Roden no I appreciate it thank you so much Susan We welcome A's reliever Josh Lucas into the Player's Choice segment. Josh, um, what sort of things do you like to do off the field? I understand you're a pretty avid video game guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely love video games. That's pretty much takes up my whole free time, whenever I'm not at home at least. And what stuff do you like to play the most? Uh, Fortnite and then probably a little bit of probably the show. So in the show, when you're playing the show, mm -hmm. do you ever – like play yourself? Do you play the A's? How do you how do you do that? Since you're you know obviously part of baseball, how do you yeah. choose what you're who and what you're gonna do? Well, I usually just go with my creative guy. I play for the White Sox right now. I haven't, I haven't really played with other teams besides my creative guy. Or I played Fowler on the plane. I was the Red Sox then, but that's about it. Usually just play with my creative guy. Um, and do you have like any bragging rights if you do something well against one of the guys in here? Oh, do you let them know? Absolutely. I got uh, let's see, I got Lou one time and I got Sean one time, so I had to let them know about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Fortnite. I know a lot of the Ace guys play it. Do you, you know, team up with guys? Do you play against guys? Do you kind of find them when you're online and and um, you know do s Fortnite stuff? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, we play together every now and then. We'll get a squad of four of us. I mean, four is the max you can get, so we'll try to just. Split it up evenly, like play with a couple guys one game and switch over to play with another couple guys. Who who are the best Fortnite players? Ooh, um, Olsen's pretty good. Mingdon's pretty good. I'd probably say Polly Blackburn is probably the best. He's really good. Um, now, you share a name with a celebrity, obviously, actor Josh Lucas. Do you ever get confused with him? Uh, a couple times I've gotten some tweets at me. Like when he, I guess he had a kid maybe last year or two years ago, and I got a congratulations tweet, and I was like, wrong Josh Lucas, but thank you. That's so do you watch his movies at all? I've seen Sweet Home Alabama, but that's pretty much it. That's a good one. That's, that's probably the best one, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Well, Josh Lucas, a pleasure having you on Player's Choice. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Appreciate it. This week we have a treat. We are welcoming back John Shea for Shea Plus after several weeks of being on assignment, doing other things, and uh, David Feldman 
filled in very admirably, of course, but we love having John Shea with us whenever we can, especially uh, during All-Star season. John Shea, as the national baseball writer for the Chronicle, goes to the All-Star game. How many All-Star games is this for you now, John Shea? Oh, gosh. It's well into the mid-20s. I, uh, I I, I've got a streak of attending All-Star games going back to the 90s, my one miss was in '02 when my daughter was born in July, and that was that was a good. I could pick them well. That was the uh, Bud League tie game. Oh yeah, where he, he threw his arms up in the air, and and then we had that mess that the uh, the the winner would determine the home field advantage in the World Series all those years, and thankfully that's no longer the case. Well, well done um, for missing that one. We, we have lots to talk about. Um, since the last time you and I spoke, um, which was three weeks or so ago, maybe, uh, the A's have been one of the hottest teams in baseball. Uh, you know, They were 11 games over 500 uh, after winning the first game of the series at Houston, now back at 10 games as, we, as you and I are talking now. Um, but could you have imagined at the beginning of the season the A's at any point being 11 games over 500? No, not at all. This is a team that you would figure if they got to 500, that'd be a success story. And that was a big F because they had no rotation coming out of spring training. Nobody uh, expected Manaya to do what he did. And, uh, you know, picking up uh, Anderson and Cahill and it w- w- was, was something that nobody ever imagined. And, and Mengden has had his, uh, uh, you know, good moments and bad. But, you know, for the most part, the, the rotation has not been an embarrassment. It has kept it team in the game uh, and uh, the rotation has been lights out and the power leads the way but I think you know this can't be measured it can't be gauged but the fight this team has and I don't know if you could say well what's led them the the rotation the bullpen the hitting I mean you you probably have a theory uh, better than what I know but it just seems like they're in every game because they want to be in every game it's it's just a team that's gelling and come in, you know, has a purpose and and maybe they're silly enough to think they could actually get get a playoff run here. I mean, they're uh, you, you throw them in a couple of divisions in the National League, they, they'd, uh, they'd be ahead of the pack with that record, but obviously they play in this league and it's a tough division and they, they're they in third place and what the, the uh, what are they, the sixth, sixth best team in the National, in the American League and um, with the ninth and all of the majors. I mean, that's that's pretty darn decent. And and I I, uh, I would imagine this is not the time to sell off uh, players at the trade deadline. Yeah, I don't think they will. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure that they add much, uh, if anything. Uh, they they do have some payroll. You would at least hope that they could <laughs> they consider do. doing something with. <laughs> If, it, yeah. if anybody no, I mean, does, they've it, got payroll room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the lowest payroll in the league. I don't think uh, anyone ever uh, thinks that they're going to uh, uh, worry about going over the uh, the the, ta- <laughs> the luxury tax uh, threshold, with, which all the contenders seem to be worried about these days. That's true. Now, I do, I do have a few ideas about their their comeback abilities. I think there are a few things mm-hmm. going on. I think early earlier in the season, they caught a couple teams when they were really down. You know, they played very well against the Central. They've gotten a lot of confidence because they've started to do it a lot. Uh, and, you know, remember Jason Giambi used to, in those when those A's teams started to be pretty good early in the early 2000s, he'd say, young and dumb. I, I think yeah. there's something to that, that the core group of guys came up through the minor leagues winning together. 
Uh, I think that was important for them. They know how to do it. And these veterans that the A's have this year, Lowry, Lucroy, Chris Davis, guys like that, it's a very calm bunch. It's a, you know, very level-headed, um, business-like team. No, we don't have a lot of big personalities around the A's clubhouse this year. You know, there's no big, uh, you know, not a lot of drama, not a lot of flash, mm. Uh, but it is some solid professionals. That's why Jed Lowry uh, sort of epitomizes this year's A's for me and why I'm so happy that he's now going to the All-Star game. We, we knew really Sunday that he, he was going to be the Glaber Torres's replacement. Um, it was obvious. Uh, and then Monday when I found out that uh, he was third in the player voting, he automatically becomes the replacement. But um, hey, he should have been on the player ballot to begin with. What do you think about... Uh, First of all, Lowry making his first all-star team at the age of 34, his 11th season in the major leagues, and, and then about the voting process. Yeah, no, you're uh, absolutely right. He did deserve it, and it was a shame that he didn't get in. It, you know, it's like uh, the, these first ballot Hall of Famers. Well, are they a better Hall of Famer than the, the Hall of Famers who get in in the Veterans Committee? Well, years after the fact, nobody ever remembers that stuff. And, you know, forever, uh, Lowry will be remembered as an all-star, not as a guy who backed in because a rookie second baseman who played only 63 games, but he plays in the Big Apple, uh, had a hip ailment, you know, opening the door for Lowry to, to get in there. And yeah, there's some issues with the voting, but the, you know, the main thing for him is he's there and I, you know, talking with him and I, I wonder if you have the same feeling. You, you never, never spoke, spoken with a guy who wanted to be an all-star more than he did. I mean, 11 seasons and, and you, you mentioned him among the folks who is a team leader and maybe before this year or before last year, Anyway, you never thought of Lowry as a team leader or Davis or, you know, Lucroy has been. That's the name of the game as a catcher. But yeah, you're right about those three guys. And, and Lowry has really been a mentor for these corner infielders, uh, Chapman and Olsen, and definitely for Simeon, who has had his struggles in years past defensively. And Lowry, uh, while not, you know, great with the range, uh, has made all the plays this year, one or two errors on the season. He filled in at third base admirably, and uh, you know when Chapman went down for a couple of weeks. So, you know, all all the signs uh, uh, were, were in his favor. All, all the arrows pointed to him going to Washington. But the problem is, he wasn't voted in by the fans. Obviously, they were uh, not going to vote in him when Altuve was on the ballot. So Altuve won easily. So, so now you go to the player vote. Okay, who's the backup? And and, uh, you know, last few years, last several years, actually, the, the players have had a lot of say. They basically picked most of the team, most of the roster, and they got it wrong. They got it wrong on uh, a few people, and certainly Lowry. Torres is a nice player, uh, you know, wonderful five-tool talent. He's home runs. He's He's dynamic. But, again, 63 games in the big leagues, and... He started April 22nd. He got a lot fewer hits than Lowry. He played a lot fewer games than Lowry. And this is the moment, this is the time you got to really honor the guy who's been around for 11 years, not the guy who's been around 63 games. So the, the process, and I don't blame the players, I blame the process. You know, the, 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 the process is these players voted back in mid-June, June 15th to June 17th. I think the A's were hosting the Angels. and just It wasn't even summer yet wasn't even officially the first day of summer. And here the players have to vote in that window, June 15th to June 17th, uh, 
and and it just so happened that that uh, uh, Lowry was pretty awful in the two weeks leading up to that, and maybe some players you know remembered that he was hitting one forty three in the twelve games leading up to that window, and and then after the voting shut down on on you know on the seventeenth, sure enough. You know, he, he, he hit 348 in his next 11 games, and he was hitting again. He hit five home runs in, in that two-week stretch. So uh, it, 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 it's kind of antiquated, the system that they've had, and it's been in place since 2003. And the system is, well, a big envelope arrives with all the ballots, and they pass them out, and then they collect them, and then they overnight them, and then they count them up. And it's like, wait a minute, this is 2018. Can't they be a little more efficient than that? So I propose that they not do this a month in advance, but but uh, 11 days in advance, the Friday before the selection Sunday show. Uh, you figure, okay, 48 hours is enough in the modern-day world of uh, super technology. They could just uh, fill out the ballots on their iPhones, uh, They'd have them all in one day. They can tabulate them. They can, you know, pick the reserves uh, in 48 hours, and then they can present them. So, I mean, if if people had more time to maybe consider Chad Lowry, maybe he would have been the guy over Torres, and, and the case could have been made, you know, throughout uh, both leagues for a lot of guys. So I, I, I think that that's something that they will address. They will uh, converse on. And I also think another part needs to be added. You know, when these players get the ballot, there are no stats attached. It's just the names. And, you know, these are busy guys going pregame. They're going from station to station. This is kind of a little distraction. You know, you got to spend a lot of time to get it right. And yeah, they could look it up on their phones and all that stuff, but why not provide them like major league baseball provides the managers and coaches for the gold glove award every year i think it comes with a packet of stats so you know who's good who's not so good uh, more than just the eye test more than just the popularity contest so you know i think if they you know provide some stats uh, just some printouts some teams do it but mlb doesn't uh and and definitely uh you know push back the process so there's more of a sample size for these players to get it right so you know i think i think uh i think you'll see that come but it's just too much common sense not to yeah it's kind of shocking that they haven't done that to this point um i i've been in the clubhouse many times over the last few years when players were voting for the all-star team and i've had guys come up and ask me like who, who's a dh who, who's having a good year uh yeah. you know they 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 don't always know uh and they really have taken over really as, as kind of the primary group of voters, the all-star game, obviously it, it was not that for, for many, many, many years. It was the, the fans and then the, the manager who was, who was helming the team. So uh, it's a lot of responsibility and not all of them take it all that seriously. Um, some of the other proposals I've heard in the last couple of days with the players whiffing on, on some of their selections this year is, maybe have a committee of players, you know, maybe former all-stars, uh, player reps, mm. assistant player reps, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and then, you know, you know that there might be more of a responsibility level felt there if it's something like that. Now, in the middle of baseball season, it's kind of hard to formulate a committee of anybody, um, you know, they would still have to be kind of be individual. Sure. Everybody's off doing their own thing. You're not going to have a conference call. I, I can't imagine. So that might be a little tough, but 
the players need to make sure, police themselves, make sure that they have the stats, even mm -hmm. if they're not provided, that somebody goes and gets them. I can remember when this first started, uh, players used to go and grab sports sections and, and look at the leaders uh, if there mm -hmm. was nothing else available. So somebody has to at least go find those. If, if uh, You're right, they probably will be provided next year. But... Uh, uh, they they need to. It's a really you know as a speaking as a postseason voter and a Hall of Fame voter, which you are also. Uh, when you've got any sort of vote like that, you have to take it very seriously. I'd also like to see their vote be transparent, the way ours are for the postseason awards. Uh, we don't know uh, who how players finished in order. I think we should. Why not? Mm, they wanted yeah, the definitely. vote. They've got it. Let, you know, I found out on Monday that Lowry had finished third, but those aren't released. Release those. Why not? Yeah, there's no there's no reason not to. And, you know, players can vote for teammates, and some of them just vote for teammates. I, one player told me, uh, you can vote for yourself, um, you know, which is fine. But I, who was it? Chris Archer, who, who basically called out uh, his colleagues uh, the other day with, with the social media post when Blake Snell didn't get in. He said, hey, they, shoot, this is the ERA leader. Uh, he's got all these wins. He's got uh, he's got the whip. I mean, he 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 could start the game, and yet he's he didn't even make the team. I mean, he has, but uh, initially, you know, the players didn't vote him in. And Archer told everybody, "Hey, we got it wrong. We got to do better. We got to we got to we got to figure it out. We got to spend more time. We got to do it right." And this year, you know, they didn't do it right. Uh, another thing is. The All-Star game was pushed back a week this year. So when the voting is in mid-June, you know, oftentimes it's just three weeks before the game instead of four weeks before the game. But still, that that uh, that's still too long. I, you know, the, uh, although the fans vote uh, yeah, when May, you know, they they can start uh, casting ballots in May for their for their favorites. But uh, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it, it's you know what. Wouldn't be the All Star Game with, without snubs and without complaints and without uh, this sort of dialogue. True, huh. it makes for a fun discussion, but man, you know, it's heartbreaking for some guys who maybe that's their only chance ever, and they come up shy maybe just because a, a few uh, people weren't weren't really thinking all that carefully when they were voting. And what so. and, and what if Torres isn't hurt? If Torres isn't hurt, uh, you know, do they somehow get him in? Maybe they would have thrown him on that five-man ballot, but only you know that's a twenty yeah. percent shot. Shot. And, well, yeah, Stanton's you know, going to win Oakland, that, as, as Larry noted the other day. Stanton. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, that's a losing proposition for the other players. Yeah. But uh, maybe they would have snuck him in, but maybe they wouldn't have, and that would have been a shame. Yeah, it's tough. Now Blake Trinan obviously was named on the day. Um, he's had an absolutely sensational season. Um, I. I, I kind of try to think of A's closers past, and they've had a lot. Uh, you know, we've been fortunate mm. to see so many good ones. Um, Sean Doolittle, uh, Grant Balfour, you know, for a year or two there, mm. Houston Street, uh, obviously Dennis Eckersley. Just name after name, you know, you kind of associate the A's with good closers over sure. the years. Sure, Raleigh Fingers. Um, where, where does Trinan stand for you what he, with wow. what he's doing this year? It's it, he stands alone because nobody's thrown this this killer sinker at 98 that uh, just falls off the table like a bowling ball and it's uh, he, he's he's wowing them. He had 20 straight uh, conversions until until the uh, the Tuesday night game, which which ended uh, an unfortunate note with uh, 
with, with Lucroy uh, bobbling the ball and the, the throw hitting the runner and the Astros winning in extras. But uh, Trinan is, is unbelievable for a guy who lost his job in, in Washington. And then uh, the, the cool story is both he and Doolittle, the man he was traded for, will be teammates in that. Well, they won't be teammates, but they'll be uh, all-star relievers on opposite uh, sides of the field. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, that, that's a pretty cool story. Do little, a, uh, an all-star as well as Trinan and, and Trinan's story, just, you know, a late bloomer, uh, he's 30, he, he's finally, uh, you know, putting it all together. You know, he, he wasn't good in high school. He wasn't all that good in college. And, uh, you know, the, as the story goes, uh, he just kind of worked on it and persevered and caught some breaks and met some people and, and got into a South Dakota State University, and, and where, where nobody ever made the big leagues, uh, and and, uh, and then he turned it up. He he got drafted by the Marlins after his junior year, and and then he went to report, and they did an MRI, and they say we're not taking you. You got a little inflammation in your shoulder, and and he said, well, who doesn't if you're a pitcher? And so he went back his senior year, and he put up monster numbers, upped his velocity even more, well into the mid to high nineties, and. and A's drafted him, traded him to the Nationals, and, and uh, Nationals traded him back, and and here he is. Uh, who, who he might he might be the one if they need a closer to shut the door uh, come Tuesday night. It's it's a fabulous story, and you know as he said, uh, you know two two things when I interviewed him the other day for for this big story we ran. You know he says I'm from Kansas. I never had pitching lessons. I mean who. Who in the big leagues would, would say something like that? Everybody has pitching lessons, and you're mostly from Florida, California, and Texas. But if you're not, you probably had pitching lessons, and that's what got you there. And and you play year round. And he said, you know what? I never played year round. I never played uh, travel ball or club ball. And and he he says that's detrimental to a lot of kids who who come up and have the Tommy John. And he says it was a blessing that that uh, he lived in an area that really didn't have that stuff or. He didn't have a dad who, who pushed him. He said the only thing his dad taught him was uh, throw over the top. Don't throw from the sides. And he said, okay. And they went out and did it. He just kept uh, trying and trying. And, and here he is in the big leagues as an all-star. Pretty cool story. Yeah. They kept trying and and trying. And trying. I, I, I was going to say that, but I said, no, I won't go there. <laughs> I fell for it. Yeah, when I talked to him for a story, we, we've done he, – he's really a great – he's such a great story. I think your story, which was wonderful – um, is I think the third major feature we've done on trying and, and he's only, mm-hmm. he hasn't even been with the team for a full year yet. He, that's how interesting it is. But, um, you kind of alluded to it. He was a chubby kid when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. He was borderline, um, diabetic and mm-hmm. they told him you, you have to change this. So that's when he started exercising and being a little more careful with his diet, lost a lot of weight, uh, and turned really into an athlete, but he was, he was kind of a chubby like they said, pre-diabetic, which is extraordinary. Look at him now and, and what he's accomplished. It's uh, it's really remarkable. He's, he's just, you know, you wonder, in Washington, he only had eight games as the closer before he washed out as closer. That's, that's not a long time. Uh, but I think it really helped him when he came to Oakland. He's had that experience. Had it, kind of failed, stumbled, worked on some things, came back, and he's better than ever. So... Yeah, it's a, it's a one him going back there. It's just a you're you're gonna have a lot of fun, John. I think following that story as as it progresses um, throughout All Star Week. Um, any anything else that jumps out to you at uh, on the All Star rosters or futures game? I'm very excited about Jesus Lazardo going and and um, pitching 
pitching in the All-Star uh, Futures game on Sunday. I'll be uh, there. Sean I'll Murphy there. was also picked for the A's, but uh, yeah. he's all, actually on the DL right now, so I'm not. Uh, I, I'm guessing he's probably not going to wind up playing for the U.S. Yeah, I can't wait to see uh, Lazar. I'll be there in Washington for the Futures game, and uh, what 20 years old and knocking him, knocking him out in Double A is just unheard of. Uh, scoreless inning after scoreless inning, but. You look at the rosters, and the thing that hits you the most is that American League outfield of you know, Mookie Betts and Mike Trout and Aaron Judge. I mean, oh, oh my goodness, it's uh, it, it's it, what is it, Mays and Aaron and Clemente, right, um, yeah. from back in the day. And, you know, it, it hit me. I said, well, who, who's going to lead off? I guess they can lead off El Tuve and uh, any number of people. But when I looked at that outfield, it, it hit me. I said, remember Tony La Russa in 1989, he led Bo Jackson off. He didn't have, he had a bunch of big boppers, three, four, five hitters, no one to lead off. He said, well, in fact, Dave Duncan, the old pitching coach, former, uh, Lieutenant of La Russa is the one who recommended it to Tony. And, and Tony went with it and he, he led Bo Jackson off and, and Bo hit a home run that just landed in Anaheim off Rick Russell. And, uh, and and won the MVP. He got another hit. He made a great play. He stole a base. I think he was the first All Star since Mays to hit a home run and steal a base in the same All Star game. But but maybe maybe they. Uh, my point is maybe they lead off Mike Trout. You know maybe they lead him off. And, I like uh, it. And, and you know maybe the modern day uh, mantle, the modern day bow, uh, uh, modern day Mays. Every I mean all all in one right. He, 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 uh, sabermetrically, he might be putting up his best season, and uh, the eye test might tell you the same. Uh, Anaheim doesn't seem to be heading to the playoffs, but but Trout's doing it again, and and uh, so I, you know, Betts and Trout and Judge—that's one heck of an outfield. JD Martinez, the DH, and and Altuve. So I, I wouldn't want to be a National League pitcher, but uh, um, and I, so and then obviously. Uh, Lowry will back up Altuve and maybe play the last four innings, and and we'll see Trinan at the back end, you know, eighth, ninth inning perhaps. Uh, so that that'll be fun. Um, and uh, you know, it's the first time the A's have had a second baseman since who? Phil Garner. Phil uh, Garner, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. only the second and, 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 one for Oakland. That's a really extraordinary. Yeah, that's a great stat. Yeah, fun times. So, um, really quickly. Uh, since we have you, and I know you'll you'll be at some of the games and at the uh, Bay Bridge series, the A's and uh, Giants matchup going into the break and mm. coming out of the break. What do you what do you think about them as a as a as a matchup? Um, I think the A's <laughs> obviously doing better than anyone expected, and the Giants, you know, showing some things here and there that maybe they're a little better than the, than they were initially, at least. Yeah, there's some parallels. I mean, two last place teams last year, the Giants with the 98 losses, the A's with the what third straight uh, last place finish, and uh, now they're both over 500. The A's a lot more over 500, but uh, uh, you know, in terms of uh, um, you know some young guys emerging in the rotation. Uh, you know, you see Mangden and you see Manaya this year kind of breaking out, and on the other side, you see you know Derek Rodriguez, uh, you know the Hall of Famer son, and and Suarez uh, kind of coming out of nowhere to. To, to boost that rotation, and you know both both teams have pretty good uh, bullpens. Obviously, the A's, the eighth, ninth, you know, one of the best, if not the best, in baseball. It's it's, it's uncanny how good they are. But the you know the the Giants without Melanson have, have been mostly good with Watson and Will Smith now, and um, 
you know, so they, they're, uh, you know, they're similar. You know, one similarity is uh, the center fielders. Coming out of nowhere was uh, Mark Canna to play center field and Gorky Hernandez. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe a couple years ago, you wonder if Canna was going to remain on this team. Certainly last year with the Giants, Gorky's uh, was heading as a DFA candidate, uh, uh, you know, and now you know they've done really well uh, in the outfield. And maybe a reason um, early on in the season that they're they're to the point they are now. Um, you know, the, the Giants don't have the power that the A's have, uh, obviously, and so it's you know a four nothing deficit for Oakland as as we saw Tuesday night is is not a big deal. And it's not the first time they overcame something like that, but it's a big issue for the for the Giants. And you know, I, you're going to see Bumgarner this this weekend, either Friday or Saturday, and uh, Suarez probably Sunday, and. Um, and then Manaya, I think, is on Sunday for Oakland. So, so that'll be nice to see see the big guys. So, it's uh, you know, the the, the Giants are, are limping into the uh, All Star break and this favorite series, and the A's are streaking into this series. Yeah, I you know what I covered Pudge Rodriguez for two years in Texas, and I am desperately hoping to see Derek Rodriguez at some point. I remember when he was born, and I, I'm really mm. just. So it's so fun that he's over there and, and doing well. It's wonderful. So I, we always love the Bay Bridge series. Anyway, it's a great thing for the and You know, who knows what Dave Cavill has up his sleeve in terms of um, fun promotions or things that really might annoy Giants fans. Uh, so it uh, should be a good time. John Shea, have a great time in Washington, D.C. at the All-Star Game. Uh, we will look forward to hearing a report from you when you get back. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks a lot, Susan. Good talking to you. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is The Third by Anatech, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. The show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more A's coverage, you can follow me on Twitter at Susan Slusser. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. <laughs>